when, um, when my kids were born uh, shortly after, uh, Smith and I made it a point that we would create a birth announcement. And uh, that's what we did. We, we made this photo card and we said that, hey, Alethea was born on this date. This is how much she weighed. And over the years, some people have gotten really creative with their birth announcements. And people have been really creative with their gender reveals and in announcing their kids. We're finally into the book of Luke. And last week, we read of an interesting birth announcement. And last week, we read about these two really great parents in Zacharias and Elizabeth. And, and, and we were told that these two people, they loved God. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed for a child. And in spite of being rejected by society for not having kids, they, they still loved God and they still served God. Even, even when they didn't get whatever they wanted, they still loved God. And at the very end of this announcement, God lets them know that they're about to have a son, and he's going to have a special plan and a special purpose, and that was to prepare the way for the Lord. And we ended our time last week by saying that God has a plan for you. And God has a plan for your life, and God has a plan for the lives of your kids, and it's a good plan. And part of that plan is to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord Jesus. This morning, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 26 to 38. Luke 1, 26 to 38. You know, throughout the Bible, uh, we, we read about some really unusual births. Sarah, she gives birth to Isaac. And, and the Bible talks about the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was beyond her natural ability to conceive. But there's this miraculous conception that happens and Isaac is born. Hannah we're told, was infertile, but she gave birth to the prophet Samuel. And then last week, we read the announcement of John to Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were advanced in years. And now we get to verse 26, where there's another birth announcement. But this one's different. And this one's special. And this would be the most unique birth announcement in all of history. Verse 26, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. I'll just stop right there for a second. Gabriel, he, he makes his first appearance in the book of Luke in the busy city of Jerusalem. It's a popular city known for commerce, known for trade, known for worship. And Gabriel presents himself to the priest, Zacharias, and he announces the birth of John to Elizabeth. 
And now Gabriel presents himself to this girl who's named Mary in a place called Nazareth in Galilee. Galilee isn't a respected region like Jerusalem was. And Nazareth was known for its working class villagers and it's filled with poor people. Nazareth is nothing like the greatness of Jerusalem. Here's what we know about Mary. Mary is from the tribe of Judah and the lineage of King David. And she's engaged at this point, and her fiancé is Joseph, who's also a descendant of David. And here's Mary, and she's no prophet, and she's no priest. There's nothing really extraordinary about Mary But when Gabriel visits her, she wasn't even in God's temple. She wasn't performing acts of worship like Zacharias was. She's just this really young, maybe 12 or 13 years old, this really young girl who's living at home, maybe planning her wedding. And and that's when God comes and sends a message to her She's just minding her own business, going through her regular routine of life when God sends a message to her. I want to ask you this simple question. Are you positioned in a way to hear from God? Like in your your everyday, ordinary, mundane parts of your life, are you open to hearing from God? Are you aware that God is trying to speak to you while you're doing the laundry or while you're doing your homework or while you're at your office, while you're commuting to and from work, while you're preparing dinner, while you're having dinner with your family. Are you aware that God may want to speak to you? I mean, yes, I mean, he can speak to us here when we're gathered together in our time of worship, but he wants to talk to you outside of these walls. How are you making space in your life to hear from him? Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. You shall call him Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Man, there is something about that name, Jesus. Paul says that God gave him the title, the name above all names. He's been given this title, the Holy and anointed one, even the demons are subject to the name Jesus. Scripture tells us that you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. There is no other name than the name of Jesus. Man, there is something about that name, Jesus. 
for he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. You remember before we dove into this book, we said that there's a key theme that Luke wants to bring out, and it is the kingdom of God. The people, they're waiting for a savior. They're waiting for someone uh, to save them from the political rule of other nations, someone who's going to rule over their enemies. And 700 years before this event, there's an important prophecy about the Savior that said this, and we read it this morning. For a child will be born to us, and a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. You know, David's dynasty lasts 400 years. And here's Jesus, who is a direct descendant of David, would sit on his throne and he would be the ultimate fulfillment of this promise because he will reign forever. Verse 34, and Mary says to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. There's another one of our themes again. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy, Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. You know, there's a lot of people who question the virgin birth. I heard uh, someone interview Larry King, who's a Jew, who's done hundreds and hundreds of interviews, and somebody asked him if there was one person in all of history or even in the present who you could interview, who would you choose to interview? And there were two people that he said. He said one was Jesus and one is Mary. Because how can someone be a virgin and conceive a child? I mean, how can we even trust that the story is even true. Well, you remember when we first started the first couple verses in chapter 1, we said that Luke was interested in all of the events that he's about to write about, and, and the way that he was going to write this book was he was going to do meticulous research behind everything that goes on. And so Luke reports eyewitness accounts of every event. And what scholars say is that Luke talked with Mary about the events that are recorded in the first two chapters of Luke. And so this is Mary's story from her own mouth, not some made-up fairy tale that's borrowed from another culture. And you remember Luke, he is a medical doctor, and so he knew perfectly well how babies are made. 
So it, it would have been way too hard for him to report a virgin birth unless that's what actually happened. So why is a virgin birth so important? In the past, God promises the Savior. God promises the Messiah. And there's this prophetic word that comes through Isaiah. And he says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call him Emmanuel. You know, people aren't meant to explain the virgin birth. You can't prove it. And you can't ignore it. But you are meant to believe it. And you are meant to worship God who made it happen. Verse 36 says, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. I mean, God took this barren woman named Elizabeth who is past childbearing age and caused her to become pregnant. And now God took a virgin named Mary and caused a child to grow in her womb. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. And if you can believe that with God nothing is impossible, then it's easy to believe in the virgin birth of Mary. But if you don't believe this verse, you're going to have issues in dealing with the supernatural and miracles that happen all around you. But if you can get this verse, then the possibility of a virgin birth is nothing for the God of impossibilities. And if your relationship with God is such that you believe with God nothing is impossible, including changing your life, including changing the life of your spouse, including the life, changing the lives of your kids and your friends, then I'll tell you, you're in the right place. See, the Bible is full of all of these stories of what God is doing that can't be explained away. Now, it's historically accurate. It's trustworthy. It's full of eyewitness accounts of the things that God did, of the things that God said And by the very nature of God, he proves over and over and over again that he is able to do the impossible. He's able to defy reason. He's able to defy logic. He's able to even defy the laws of nature. Why? Because he is God. Isn't that the very definition of God? that you cannot explain him. If you could explain him, he wouldn't be God. Here's Luke. And he introduces Jesus with this impossible birth story that happens in a miraculous way. And the impossible will happen again at the end of the life of Jesus when he will be put to death But miraculously, after three days, he will rise again. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. 
Do you believe in the God of the impossible? Do you trust in a God who can defy logic and who can defy reason and who can defy the laws of nature? Like when the doctor said that there was no hope, do you put your trust in a God who can heal your sickness? When your kids want nothing to do with you, do you put your trust in a God who can turn sons back to their fathers? When you're out of work and don't know how you're going to pay the bills, do you believe in a God who will provide for all of your needs? Man, when your marriage is a mess, do you believe in a God who can resurrect your marriage? When you feel all alone and so unlovable, do you believe in a God who has loved you to the point of death? What impossible situation are you facing this morning? What impossibilities are you faced with today? I'm going to tell you, take it to the Lord in prayer. And we have a group of people here this morning who believe in a God who is still able to do the impossible in your life. Mary says, and how is God going to do this? I mean, how is God going to do the impossible? How is God going to make the impossible possible? Verse 35, the angel answered and says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. How will the impossible be made possible in the life of Mary? Well, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And how will the impossible be made possible in your life? It is by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. And this morning, I'm going to ask Tim to come forward as we begin to close this service this morning. I want you to listen to Mary's response to all of this. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. She says, I surrender to your will. See, in the previous birth announcement, the father of John, Zacharias, says, What are you talking about? What do you mean I'm going to have a baby? What do you mean Elizabeth, who's past her age of, of bearing a child? What do you mean she's pregnant? Give me a sign. An angel shuts his mouth until his son is born. But, but Mary, she hears this impossible thing that is about to happen, and she says, I surrender to whatever you want. She says, I and the bondservant of the Lord. I mean, Zacharias is here. He has nothing really to risk. He has everything to gain with the birth of a son. He's no longer going to be looked down upon for not having kids. He's finally going to have some help 
with the family. But Mary, Mary has every reason to be concerned. She has every reason to be worried, even upset. I mean, here she is, a young, unmarried girl who became pregnant out of marriage. Her father could have rejected her. And if he did that, she would be forced to begging on the streets for a living. She risks losing her fiancé, Joseph. She risks losing her family, risks losing her reputation. I mean, what are her friends going to think when she tells them that she's pregnant, but she's still a virgin? And in spite of all of these risks that she faces, she says, I'm your bondservant. She says, I surrender to your will. She says, let your will be done in me. Mary takes this big risk of faith. God was asking her to serve and she, she willingly obeys. Man, we need Mary's kind of trust. And we need Mary's kind of faith. Most of us want to see what we're going to get out of it first. And here is God. And God loves to choose the most improbable people. He loves to choose these people to fulfill his purpose. He loves to honor those who the world doesn't even notice. He loves those who are humble in spirit. Mary was young. She was poor. She's a female. All of these characteristics to the people of her day would make her unusable by God for any type of major task. And here's God, and he chooses Mary for one of the most important acts of obedience he's ever demanded out of anybody. You might be here this morning and maybe you feel that your ability or your experience or your education makes you an unlikely candidate for God's service. Don't limit God's choices. He can use you. He can use you. He wants to use you if you would just trust him. If you would just surrender yourself to him. God, he shows his greatness by working with anyone who's on the street who's willing to be used by him. Spiritual greatness has nothing to do with education or your social class. How much money you have in the bank, but it has a matter to do with your heart. God can do great things for those who would entrust their lives to him and his care. And it just means that we are willing and able to say, may it be according to your will. God, I, I surrender all to you. I mean, what has God called you to? I want you to know it's, it's more than just surviving. He's got a plan for you. He's got a unique purpose for you beyond going to work and coming home and taking care of the kids. 
and going to work and coming home and taking care of the kids. He's got something unique in store for you and in mind for you. What has he called you to? Some of you know what God has called you to, and like Zacharias, you're, you're waiting for a sign to take a step. Some of you, maybe you rejected what he's asked you to do. For others of you, you know what God has asked you to do. You just may not know how to go about it. And it all starts with this attitude in your heart. What is your response? What has your response been to prepare people for the coming of the Lord? Is your response, show me a sign? Are you making excuses because of the hardships that you're dealing with? Or has your response been, may it be done to me according to your will? I just want to go back up to verse 30 for a second here. The angel says to Mary, he says, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. You shall name him Jesus. You shall call him Yeshua. You shall call him Yeshua, which is the Greek form for Joshua, and it means the Lord saves. You remember the story of Joshua? Moses, he he leads the people out of slavery in Egypt, and God promises to take them to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. This is the promised land, and then they're wandering in the wilderness, And because they choose to disobey God, none of them see the promised land. And and now here's Joshua. He was chosen as Moses' right-hand man. He's the general of Israel's army, and he's one of the greatest leaders to ever come out of Israel. And now God chose Joshua to take them out of wandering in the wilderness into the promised land. But there was this river that they had to cross in order to get there. And the problem was the river was at flood stage during this time of year. And Joshua tells the priests, he says, all those priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, he says, walk right into the raging river. And Scripture says that As soon as their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing and the water became like a wall. And all of the people were able to cross the river on dry ground. And Joshua shows them a God who still redeems his people. And Joshua shows them a God who still saves his people. See, the wilderness represented uncertainty for these people. And the flooding Jordan would have meant death if God didn't work something out for them. And so here's this river Jordan. And it's a place of transition. 
We're going to see that later on in the book of Luke. The people of Israel, under the leadership of Joshua, they transitioned from a place of uncertainty over to the promised land. Mary, you're going to have a son. And you're going to call him Yeshua. He will be the new Joshua. He will be the new great leader. He is going to be the God of angel armies who is going to fight on your behalf. And he will be the one to set people free from sin and death. And just as Joshua had led the people of Israel into the promised land, this Jesus promises that anyone who puts their hope and anyone who puts their trust and anyone who puts their life in him and anyone who lives for this Jesus, Jesus himself would take you from a place of death over to a place of life. That's who this Jesus is. Jesus would take people from their lives of uncertainty and their lives of death doubt and bring them to a place of a hope in a future. Jesus would take people from their sinfulness and lead them to a place and give them life of forgiveness. And he would be the one to take people from death and lead his people into eternal life with him. His name is Yeshua. The Lord saves And there is no other name like the name of Jesus. See, there is no other name under heaven in which you can be saved. There is no other name like that name, Yeshua. There's just something about that name. Would you stand with me this morning? With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I'm going to ask the prayer team if you would make your way up to the up to this altar this morning. Some of you, you've been wandering in the wilderness for some time now. You're going your own way, living without purpose, living without meaning, living without hope. And do you know this Jesus? Do you know the one who is called Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father? Have you put your trust in this Jesus? Have you put your full confidence in this Jesus? Have you put your hope in this Jesus? Maybe you gave your heart and your life to Jesus some time back, but you've been wandering in the wilderness kind of doing your own thing without any sense of direction, the Holy Spirit is calling you to come back to Him. Maybe you know this Jesus and love this Jesus, but I want to ask you this question, what has God called you to? How are you going to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord Jesus? How are you responding to Him? Are you looking for a sign or are you saying, let your will be done in me? One thing I do 
forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This morning, as Tim leads us in some more worship, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart or into your life, and it's something that you want to do this morning, I'm going to ask that you make your way forward, and one of our altar team members here would love to pray with you. If you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, one of our altar team members would love to pray with you. And if you need a healing, we want to believe for a healing in your life today. Tim, would you lead us?